All right, I have right. a lot of energy. Nah. I slept well. This is gonna be great. You idiots uh, in our uh, audience have no idea why that's funny. <laughs> that's what we like to do here. Just make really, really specific jokes that only we understand. I mean, yeah, that is yeah. our that's inside jokes, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, we'll we'll reference something like the core four, and everybody right. will just everyone will just be like what is that i don't understand but we don't want to explain it i didn't have to be that. there yeah yeah <laughs> i think we can do that more just do all the setups for the jokes before we start the podcast there we go <laughs> yeah we have we film an entire lines. podcast beforehand and then yeah. record another one that's just references to the first one that's unreleased <laughs> and yeah we we, we uh yeah it's like the master tapes of uh, of different things before they're before they're edited and before they're released. It's like the original tapes. Mm. Have you have you heard about? Um, oh my god! So Universal Music Group is uh, like some big conglomeration that owns like a bunch of different artists. Like almost, sure. I, I think like seventy percent of the world's music or something. It's it's oh my god. it's it's a lot. It's, they so they have music. a lot of music. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they have um, they own the master recordings of all of their artists. So all of the original recordings of all of these albums and stuff, they they had them. And then one time the warehouse where all the master tapes were being stored burned down so like all of these master tapes like millions of albums just like burned down oh it's, no uh, is that the end of the story <laughs> yeah yeah they just burn, everything every, burned. it just burned sometimes things oh, no. just burn so <laughs> wow yeah it's it's That's uh sad. it's not good but i mean why would I mean? Do you in our digital world? Do you even need a physical yeah. master tape? That's what my mom keeps telling question. me. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How are uh, you? How are you? Oh, oh, so great. I uh, also do not sleep very well, but um, you know, we've all been there. It's all. It's all. It's all happened. Yeah, I remember I remember we had a conversation about sleep, which was the exact opposite, which is where you brought this up, but I agreed um, where if you sleep like 10 or 10 hours or more, you're more sleepy than if you mm. sleep eight. And if you sleep less than eight, you're still sleepy. Yeah, I don't I don't see the evolutionary purpose of more sleep equaling less energy, but yeah, that does. That is annoying. Yeah, I would my, like it to be different. My my theory on that is that so this is fact. Let's just I, yeah, I don't need yeah. to say theory. My theory, which <laughs> yeah. is which is already I'm canon. Saying, I'm saying theory ironically because it's so <laughs> much a fact. Um, <laughs> um, our our bodies res this so yeah theory. Um, our bodies. 
require energy to get the things that we need. And if we already have those things, our body's like, I don't really need the energy to go do that anymore, right? Mm. Like reproducing and having food, like those seem to be two primary things that once you do those things, right? Like once you eat a huge meal, you're like, you're so tired. Yeah. And my, yeah. my theory is like, you've, you've completed your evolutionary purpose. Let's not spend this energy going to get more food. You're fine for now. You know what I mm. mean? And if you sleep for a long time and then you wake up and you have food, your body's like, oh, we got food. Like we don't <laughs> like yeah. my guy sleeping for 10 hours and then having <laughs> a huge meal and not working at all for it. I guess right. we don't need a ton of energy, but it's like eight hours, your body refreshes and then you like exercise and your body's like, oh, OK, so we're working for we're working for something. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And this Whoa. isn't your this isn't your actual body. This is the essence of your body. Right. right? Yeah. This your, is your, your soul. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the movie soul. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just a thing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting. At the very least, I think we can draw the similarity between, you know, if you get a good amount of sleep, you feel good. If you get too little sleep, you like, I want to sleep more. Yeah. And if you get too much sleep, you, you just feel, you know, Gargy. not as good. And the same thing with eating, where if you don't eat enough, you want to eat more. If you eat the right amount and the right kind of food, yeah, then you feel good. But if you eat, like too much, even of a good thing, mm -hmm. then you're like, ah, it is too much. I'm full. Yeah, that's, that's something that I've started noticing at night. So, um, so I've stopped drinking alcohol and this okay. will, this is related. Oh, um, so I've stopped doing that just cause I, I don't need, I don't, you know, no. No, I, I went to the doctors and they were like, this one liver enzyme is the, is kind of high. Don't drink. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, what I've noticed is that uh, alcohol shuts off the part of your brain that thinks, at least for me, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it just makes you stop thinking. And that's usually what keeps me up at night is like thoughts, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And mm -hmm. so I've noticed that more as I'm falling asleep when I don't when I don't drink alcohol. Um, but something that also turns that off is eating a lot of food right before bed. I notice that if I'm kind of hungry or if I like eat something like we were, yeah, what we, what you just said, if you eat a good amount of good food, you have more energy, but at night, I don't want to feel that. I want to feel lethargic. I want to not right. move, you know what I mean? And not think. So it's, it's weird. Yeah. In the middle of the day, that salads, you know, uh, right. roasted nuts, but it's like at the <laughs> end of the day, just like, give me some heavy lentil stew <laughs> and like four bowls of it. And, yeah. And then I'll be happy. Alcohol now, equals four bowls of lentil stew. <laughs> how close to going to sleep are you eating the four bowls? I don't know. That's the other thing. It's like people always say don't eat like right. two hours before bed because right. sometimes that actually does keep you up if your body's digesting it. Um, but I don't know. I haven't seemed to have problems with that. <laughs> Whatever works. I, probably for you, I guess. like probably like an hour before is usually where. I'm okay. Eating. Huh. 
That's interesting. I have not tried that. I'm definitely a person where like, I don't want to eat too close mm-hmm. to going to sleep. Um, yeah, don't eat where you sleep, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. What yeah, is it? You go to sleep with dogs, wake up, you've eaten too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, wait, go to, wait, where'd you get the dogs? Uh, that was the Benjamin Franklin thing. It was like, if you lie with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. Oh, I was referencing um, don't poop where you eat. That no, phrase. I know. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> just, we're just going to put it all together. Let, let's get, let's come, let's come up yeah. with another phrase. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't go to sleep where your dog eats. <laughs> yep. Good, good, good. I mean, it's good advice. Don't go to sleep there. Mm-hmm. No. So, yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah. Don't go to sleep in a bowl that's way too small for you to sleep in. <laughs> Inside of. Trust me, bowl. you'll be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, this is good advice. Yeah, we shouldn't make a book of obvious advice. <laughs> <laughs> That'd Just... be good. I was I was talking to Chance last night. Um, mm-hmm. I hope he's okay with me sharing this. Uh, he just had his hearing uh, for his recital uh, mm-hmm. to let them, you know, to. So they could tell him, like, you can have your recital. Mm-hmm. And it went well because he's good. And uh, and he said the very first note that he played, he, like, breathed in and a bunch of spit, like, went into the back of his throat. And then he just choked into his trombone. Um, God. And no, I mean, it was fine. Like, he you know, recovered, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But uh, Chance is dead. Yeah. <laughs> his recital is still on. Happy but... podcast. Chance is dead. Um but uh, but we were talking about how like everybody always says don't choke on stage like metaphorically, mm-hmm. but also it's good advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good advice. Yeah. to not choke really. It's much more important to just not you know close up your your throat passage. Yeah, uh, breathing stage. breathing is something that this is another theory of mine. Breathing is good for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we like the air. Uh, but yeah so What's yeah been going on? Mm, <laughs> not not a lot um i've yeah sort of the new thing i'll sort of show you so i've started sort of a 60 day challenge for myself which mm. is to do the same habits every day um which is normally something i do but Sometimes I, like we've talked about, I get into slumps and if, if I don't have rules, I'll get into those days where it's like, "Mm, I don't really feel like it. And then sometimes that turns into a two or three day, like I don't do that much, Um, which I'm not, I, it might be helpful that those days uh, have existed for me, but I'm, I'm doing an experiment to see if I can go like a good amount of time without those days and see whether or not I feel good, whether or not I've accomplished a lot in those 60 days. So um, this might seem like a lot to some people, but I have like a list of habits over here and then I schedule out my day um, just like as a guideline, because yeah, the worst thing for me is like having a blank slate and Mm. things that I theoretically should do, but no direct like, okay, do this, do this, do this. You know what I mean? Because then yeah, it's it's sort of the every decision works, so you want to do none of the decisions because right. you always feel like you should be doing something else. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I've, I'm I'm on day five of sixty. 
so nice. well it's going strong yeah um but yeah it's it's it should be fun and it's not it's not too strenuous i've done habit things in the past where it's like it's almost seven to eight hours worth of stuff which is yeah. way too much but this is just like exercise take care of like my teeth and do saxophone and chess when i want like a, a decent amount and yeah i the focus is of course on like doing work and stuff that's that's a little bit more important but i i can sort of do both at the same time so that's yeah. going well oh that um, seems good i i like you know that you said it was sort of an experiment that it's not like because i feel like i get into the habit of just sort of uh you know like making plans and you know trying to sort of re work no, engineer. That's not a good, yeah re-engineer my my day and my habits uh but it's like I put a lot of pressure on it and mm -hmm. it's like if I you know mess up one day everything has been ruined and all this sort of stuff and so I think you know low low lower stakes that you know I just want to see if and how I can you know do and change um I think that's a good way to go about it yeah and especially the 60 day limit i it, it probably should be less but i'm i'm just doing this until sort of amelia gets back and then my uh yeah the schedule is going to be a little bit more flexible yeah. um but yeah that I've, I've had the same thing where it's like i try and i come up with a new habit and then i try to incorporate it but then i i sometimes i don't have enough time and then everything falls apart it's it's nice to just be like, okay, 60 days, let's do these. Do these yeah. work? Do I like this? What do I, did I discover anything new? Do I really like uh, shopping at Pottery Barn? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, and then after 60 days, I can incorporate that, maybe cut yeah. out some fat, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, become a butcher. <laughs> um yeah no, i think that's i think that's a really cool way of um of doing it and i have you heard the idea that it, you, it takes 21 days to form a new habit yes i have heard that i've heard have like you, two months i've heard two weeks I've, yeah I've has that ever like i don't feel like i feel like that's the same as like the ten thousand hours thing where i'm like that's <laughs> it's just a number <laughs> it's just a number and like no one it's not like you're gonna be at 9999 and then you get to 10,000 you're like I'm not I get it <laughs> hire me I everything's I'm, changed I yeah. I'm a master like it's mm -hmm. just I don't know it seems so arbitrary and also so dependent on like the the full content of those 10,000 hours or the full content of those 3 weeks trying to trying to form a habit mm -hmm. um and I also think it's just different for different people uh, yeah I just think things. I, I also think that the habits that you create are um, entirely dependent on the physical things that it makes you feel, right? Like mm. if if you have a habit that you hate, every time you do it, you hate it, it's gonna be so much harder to form that habit and to actually start liking it than it would for somebody who really appreciates whatever that thing is, right? Like if you if you hate chess, and you have to like, and you study it for whatever amount of time, it's gonna take longer for you to like form that habit and really muster up the energy to do it every time. Whereas for me, it might take way less just cause right. I'm interested in that. And then not only that, but 
whether or not it's a physical habit and you can become physically dependent on it. Like for me with running, I've, I don't think I've run a consistent 21 days since I've started like doing running, which was last year. Yeah. But I, I'm definitely physically dependent on it. I feel, I feel not good when I don't exercise. And so I I don't think you need a, like a straight number of uh, days for you to keep doing it. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's dependent on a lot of factors. Yeah. That's a good point with, with, I think of running is a great example because like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a, professional but i don't think it's like a. I think i've heard like it's not good if you run every day like you need to give your body like a a little break Mm -hmm. and so i think that's a good example where it can still like i've been running more you have run more in the past you know year and, and everything um and it can be something where you can still be dependent on it and and make a habit out of it without being like if i miss one day everything has been ruined you know and yeah. i think that's a yeah. good i think that's a good thing <laughs> everything falls apart everything yeah right right um, remember that book right things fall things apart fall apart <laughs> yeah. this is what it's about <laughs> this is yeah <laughs> it's one of us not running one day <laughs> right it's, it's, it's really my short. structure of habits <laughs> it's my it's Uh, it's yeah it's it's just a bunch of schedules like (laughs) daily schedules and it just starts deteriorating (laughs) fall but yeah what about you that's 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 me that's That's me yeah all right yeah i'm good um are you are you bunching up the shirt no, this shirt? is once again a Seth Lewis, uh, uh, a Seth, a Seth Lewis, Lewis original. <laughs> yes. God. Mm, I feel um, I feel bad because I've used those shirts when running, and uh, if you don't wash shirts after they're sweaty, they get moldy and gross. So oh. I've had to throw away a couple of Seth Lewis originals. When you're talking okay. about not washing shirts, how how soon? You mean like ever? Or... No, I mean, I mean, like if you put them in the dirty hamper, yeah, and they sit with the sweat for like, like I wash my clothes every three to four days, so yeah. I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty consistent with that, but yeah, even in those three to four days, it can get a, it can get grimy if you don't Ooh, like that's, hang that's it up. Yeah, like I'm, some I'm of my looking sh- at my laundry basket right now. Some of my shirts, <laughs> like that I threw out, had mold spots on them. Ah. so uh yeah is that not theory fact an issue mold spots like could you still wear things with mold spots or are they gonna get in you yeah they're gonna <laughs> you're gonna start having mold spots on <laughs> right you're skin. gonna become a mold spot <laughs> yeah um i don't know i my mother definitely doesn't like it um not sure i think i think if you wash it a couple of times and like don't use it I think it just stains the shirt. I think you're able to get all of the bad bacteria out of it, but it can still stain it. Like it's fine, you know, especially with a shirt for running, I would be okay with that. I got I got a bunch of chocolate on a shirt, and I was like, it's okay because <laughs> I don't it have was a dog. That, right, it was that shirt that we got um, when we went on the King's Dominion trip senior year uh, for school mm, i think like i remember that trip. 
So I was like, it's okay. Like, I'm just going to wear this for, for running. Oh, is that when Emma Ald like lost her shit? <laughs> Do you I remember that? Remember. She no. put her, I think she put her stuff in a locker and then it got stolen. Her phone got stolen. Do you remember that? Oh my that? God. No, I don't remember that at all. Wait, no, 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 no. That wasn't, okay. it wasn't King's Dominion. I think that was Bush Gardens. Maybe that was where we went. Cause the, it was like the Griffin, that one that like, that oh, were that you one like, ride yeah, yeah they held yeah they held yeah. you yeah i remember the whole yeah a big part of the day was um god i have such weird specific memories like i can't remember what i did yesterday for lunch right. but i can remember that on that trip emma lost her phone and i remember making jokes about it and being like oh too soon <laughs> 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 like like emma would be like i man i don't know what i'm gonna do and i'm like we'll call your dad oh <laughs> <laughs> and just being the worst oh, and then that's so good. and then i also remember that i think you you and claire and halen and everybody were in a different group and i remember i was with julianne and some other person and i kept saying eyebrows on fleek all day <laughs> it's all i said um uh, that sounds that 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 sounds right that's that sounds, yeah that sounds that sounds pretty on brand yeah that sounds um, like one of the things that we would say if we were with a group that was only like julianne and a few other people yeah i'm like yeah. you know what's on fleek having a phone Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> did i do that <laughs> uh are we talking about king's dominion no i i stained my shirt uh oh yeah i'm wearing this shirt there it is. Get the it only back. thing that's different from last week. I'm wearing this shirt and I'm a week older. Uh, no, how, um, are how are classes? You're the one in classes. Oh, they're good. Uh, classes and glasses. Nice. Nice. Ah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, they're, they're good. Um, we're doing formal proofs in, uh, in logic uh which is fine um, i i really like informal proofs it's like you know yeah. casual proofs if you like this then you'll like this i mean yeah. that's that's how it works yeah i saw a uh, i saw a fun uh philosophy related cartoon the other day it was like if uh if p is true i'll be sad i don't want to be sad therefore p is not true and i was like i like <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, it's just a contradiction, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, but no, things are things are good. We're uh, we're talking Afghanistan in uh, in Middle Eastern politics. Ouch! <laughs> yeah. The word. Wow. It's bad. so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing that I should say about that because. This isn't. Let's an hear your this opinion. A, yeah, <laughs> this isn't an international relations podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Diplomat boys. Uh, the embassy boonch boys. Um, yeah, the boonch boys embassy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, no, I mean that's just crazy. Uh, but I have found that like there's a few different classes that I've taken now. Uh, and one that I might take next semester that I'm like, I, I'm going to learn a lot. I did, it was with um, a sociology class I took last semester in Middle Eastern politics this semester. And then there's one 
next semester that I might take, which is human rights and state repression, which is like, good Lord. Um, yeah. And, and so it's like, I'm going to learn so much. I know, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be interested in this stuff, but like with sociology, it was just like, here's another way that our society sucks so much. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and it's the same with, with Middle Eastern politics. Now it's like, look at this other thing that America did that's so horrible <laughs> and it's just it's crazy what we've done to people and and obviously it's going to be the same with with human rights and state repression that's like i'm going to learn a lot but yeah. every class is just so depressing so i gotta i gotta decide if i want to continue with that or not <laughs> i remember i think i saw a tiktok recently that was like this guy like holding his hand over his chest and the American flag was in the background. And it was like, when you fund the terror terrorist group to get rid of the terrorist terrorist <laughs> group that you funded to get rid of the terrorist group. That you funded to get rid of. That's so accurate. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it was. It was when the Soviets occupied mm -hmm. Afghanistan, uh, we started supporting the Mujahideen to, uh, uh, you know, defeat the Soviets. Mm -hmm. And then when the soviets uh withdrew there was like a power vacuum real quick and there were a bunch of different leaders dyson <laughs> nice um, power middle eastern power vacuum sponsored by Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so good um but there were a bunch of different leaders from different factions within the mujahideen who were all trying to like be in charge and then that's when the taliban came in or I, I always feel bad when i say like taliban it's like when people say iraq and it's like that's not what it is. <laughs> it's iraq it's taliban um anyway they came in and that's why people liked them initially because they brought like a lot of law and order and like security and people mm -hmm. were like oh this is good and then uh but one of the people that like was a, a major um I don't know if leader, but just sort of commander within the Mujahideen. That a major player in the scene. Indeed, indeed, yeah. Uh, that we supported while the Soviets were there. One of the main people fighting the Soviets was bin Laden. Like, we gave bin Laden guns and stuff, like, mm -hmm. because we were trying to do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, they were not happy with us because of all the stuff that we were doing. And that's why so many... Uh, terrorist groups nowadays have like U.S. made uh, guns and other arms. So anyway, it's just so messed up. But yeah. Also, Oliver North, right? Is that a is that an is that a name? That was um, uh, the uh, Iran Contra affair. That was him. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. So not not Iraq or Afghanistan. No, yeah, but I mean, you know, it was the same sort of thing where it was like we were. Well, that that was like it, it was like within our government there were people lying and trying to fund things behind congress's back and <laughs> too soon um, yeah uh yeah they were like try. i don't even, i don't remember exactly how it worked they were like trying to support the contras in um in nicaragua who were trying to uh the like revolt against the regime there and i don't remember how it was related to iran it's just we just keep like doing things i'm like how about we stop okay. that's that's my foreign policy let's just all calm down yeah if you do yeah. too much 
you have less energy than <laughs> right. if you did the perfect amount. Have you amount. heard my theory about sleep? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it's just been, like, again, I'm learning so much. It's just so sad and really quite upsetting. And like, yes, I'm happy that I live in America, but also. Uh, yeah. You know, what do you? Yeah. I've had a theory about intellectuals or people who say they know a lot a lot of them seem to be like alcoholics and like people that, or like some sort of, so funny. they abuse some sort of drug. And I, I feel like it makes sense because the more you know about the world, the more horrible it seems, right? So the more sad you might be in general. What do you think about that theory? It's a fact, <laughs> but what do, what do you think about it? I don't, um, I mean, I don't, like I, 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 feel like there's so many other factors that would go into <laughs> yeah. addiction besides look hemingway was stuff. only sad and an alcoholic because of right Iraq. because he knew stuff yeah. <laughs> because of 1980s Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so no i mean i think that's the like that's the thing like it's also not an either or it's not like those aren't the only options where it's either mm -hmm you know stuff and you're sad or you don't know stuff and you're happy like you can know stuff and you know be, be happy like, yeah be happy and like i think there's a certain amount of choice that goes into that that you can be like yeah there's horrible stuff going on but it doesn't it doesn't really uh help anybody if i'm just depressed all the time i'm not actually helping to make things better if i'm mm. just only reacting to those circumstances and not acting so mm. anyway yeah, yeah no i mean i'm sure it's true in some cases that you know the more that people are and the more people are disillusioned with the world we live in but any thoughts also, about the any thoughts about the phrase ignorance is bliss honestly i buy it i i really <laughs> think it's true yes yeah no yes. i really i really do think that's true i think the less we know the happier we are which i know contradicts everything i was just saying but mm -hmm. um no i really do think that is true uh and everybody's like but wouldn't it be better to like know things and i'm like yeah no i think you're right but if you're in that state of ignorance you wouldn't know that it would be better to know other things because you're in that state of ignorance couldn't you then follow that rule to then know nothing? I don't know how that's possible. Is, the, is, there, is there a stopping point where this is the perfect amount of ignorance? that <laughs> <laughs> You need exactly 400 milliliters of ignorance and nothing more. <laughs> Can you, that's the thing though. I mean, it's like so much of ignorance. It's not, the only example I can think of is the, like the matrix thing where it's like the red pill, blue pill. Like, do you want to know reality or do you want to stay in your non-reality mm -hmm. um i've never seen the matrix i'm actually 100% <laughs> sure that that's what happened um, but uh classic boonch yeah <laughs> reference something we have no idea about yeah let me just build my entire theory off this really shaky ground um i uh no but i i i uh what was i saying um like i don't think most instances of ignorance come from that 
origin where you choose to be ignorant, that you, mm. where you know that there's an opportunity to not be ignorant anymore. Mm. Um, I feel like most ignorance just, it happens circumstantially. And then if it changes, it changes. It's not a necessarily a matter of you choosing, you know, you might choose to learn, but you're not actively choosing to come out of ignorance in one specific uh, area. Yeah, I find that ignorance of things that make you feel bad and things that you couldn't really help mm. is usually the best the best thing to like be ignorant about. Like yeah. like learning about a a kid who got exploded in Yemen isn't going right. to help me, you know what I mean? like the kid's dead and it's in and they're in Yemen like I'm that's that's just gonna make me feel horrible and so yes. but like if you know that someone down the street needs a like a sandwich or something like that <laughs> that could be something good to know yeah <laughs> such a specific yeah. and that's in My your neighbor needs a sandwich and I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. not ignorant <laughs> write it down this is another we should put that on a pair of socks <laughs> Don't don't stay ignorant about your neighbor's sandwich needs. <laughs> we should start a PSA campaign. Yeah. Uh, just buy, uh, yeah, just like we should run for governor. It's uh, <laughs> all I've seen is McAuliffe and Yunkin, McAuliffe yeah. and Yunkin. What about Boot Choice? Who's, who's going to represent your neighbor's sandwich <laughs> needs? Us. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> But yeah. I often wonder, like, if you, like, are, I'm not saying that we should run for governor, but, no. I'm not, uh, not saying. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm saying, like, if you get, like, a bunch of, like, really qualified advisors, like, how knowledgeable and experienced do you actually have to be, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. literally don't think at all. I think you just have to be, like, um the person who enforces the um like the mantra of your your uh candidacy like yeah, the person who the they're just like okay this one's more this one's more environmentally friendly and this one's less environmentally friendly right. it's like well i'm an environmentally friendly candidate right. let's go with that one you know right. what i mean like yeah, you're not coming thing. up with the solutions <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no then that's exactly right like it's it's not um you know, like the infrastructure bill, like Joe Biden didn't write the whole infrastructure bill. It was like a bunch of people who, and not even like the, the you know, representatives or senators, like it was just a bunch of people outside of that who actually know like policy things. Um, so that's the thing. I feel like we could do it. <laughs> like we could, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like we have a brand and our only job would be to make decisions that fit within that brand. <laughs> so now true. I am saying that we should run for governor. Mm -hmm. I also, think we would have, I think we would have conflicting uh, uh, viewpoints on different policy decisions though. Cause once you told me either I'm the most left or I'm the most middle. And I was I said that. Yeah. You said that once you were like, I, I like looking at all these decisions, I'm, I can either be very left, like almost all the way left, or I can, or I'm just a moderate. And I think now you're more of a moderate, but um, 
comment on that because yeah <laughs> i will tell you my my theory behind this um yes, 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 i don't yes, remember yes. saying that so i have to it was a while ago and yeah. i remember i remember it i for some reason i always associate specific memories with places not even not that the memory necessarily um like i'm not remembering it exactly in that scenario i'm not exactly remembering you saying that to me yeah. i i vision envision those words and i have them associated with a specific place and that place is the intersection of um fort hunt and sherwood hall i think the road that the sherwood hall library okay. is on for some reason that intersection i i always think about that's that's what i associate those those words with so that's very interesting i was going to say i remember having a conversation where we talked about how like everything seems to like it, it, if we just look historically everything seems to always trend more liberal like socially mm -hmm. and that one i that conversation i associate with uh you know that back entrance into carl sandberg mm -hmm on um old stage is that what it is it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah anyway i have the same experience where i remember a political uh, conversation. i remember uh, we walked from my house to your house that's when i yes. think it happened okay yeah we we walked from my house to your house it took like an hour or something oh and, that was was that the thanksgiving one when we were both home for thanksgiving i think so it might yeah i think it okay. might have been so yeah right. yeah so back to my political views um i uh so there's a, one of my favorite political commentators a guy named david brooks and he's a conservative he writes for the new york times um and he also writes some really he's written some really great books that have like very little to do with politics they just have to do about like living well um i think he's a really smart guy and i uh he was in, in an interview where uh someone said you uh you know are, are a member of sort of a, a dying group which is this moderate middle in in politics and he said i'm gonna stop you because he said i think i am moderate but i'm not in the middle he's like i'm a conservative but i i'm still moderate and so this is the way i like to think about it that i can be you know personally i can be liberal in my views or you know a democrat in my views but moderate in my i i, I was gonna say like methods but it's not like i do anything <laughs> <Methods>. <laughs> uh but no like if i were in uh -huh. you know a legislative position uh -huh. my method would not be uh, or my view would not be um if everybody just uh agreed with me then everything would be perfect you know mm -hmm. like that i do feel like is sometimes the problem that people get into like especially in um the more extreme wings of each political party that it's like if we just if everybody just agreed with me and we did and we carried out all of my plans then the world would be perfect you know mm -hmm. and, and everybody would stop fighting and the idea of that moderate viewpoint is that politics as a whole is a competition between partial truths and so my ideas are not perfect but i can still have them as long as i recognize that i need to work with other people who have different views mm -hmm. um so that's how i feel about that that i can be pretty left but 
also realized that I want to work with people from the other side of the aisle, the proverbial aisle, my friends on the other side of the aisle. But also, I'm not in Congress, so yeah. I don't actually yet. Do <laughs> no, never. You can That's always finish true. every sentence with yet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. And the worldview that I have in terms of like the, like the utopia that I imagine um, is very much one that most people I think would agree with with their own partial truths because um, mm. the problem with society I think the problem with society <laughs> yeah you heard it here first people you heard it here first it's just that we have this entire system to create things that not everyone needs and yet everyone is trapped within the system, right? But if you only made people like society um, in the production was only meant to like fulfill people's needs and their limited wants, then most people would be, um, most people's partial truths would be satisfied, right? Like a lot of Republicans really value bootstrapping independence like all of these things and if you don't have to work 40 hours a week to sustain yourself right like this society is able to provide you 12 hours a week of work and that gives you everything you need you have all this time to be independent bootstrap and some sort of thing that you like build your own house whatever you have all this time whereas left leftists really value collectivism and yeah if society is more collective in in satisfying the needs it would help their partial truths so i think i i it seems like most uh like most worldviews between conservatives and liberals is contradictory when i don't think it's the case when you create a society that allows people to be m more themselves and not exist under the system i think they can have us uh have a system that satisfies everyone's viewpoint just because it is so individual it's about yeah. what you what you what you want and what you can do you know that's I mean? interesting but i i like how you appeal to what we would often you know think of as different uh viewpoints like that they can sort of coexist that you can say here's you know one plan one idea and this helps or this fits with both your idea and your ideas you know like your your beliefs and your beliefs and i think that's really good because it's a way of again reminding people that we're not so different uh and and that uh it, it is you know uh, that people can get into a thing where they're not even like your politicians can get into a mindset i'm just gonna guess uh where um where they can um, Pooch boys. Pooch boys. Pooch boys. here we come embassy <laughs> here we come our own embassy all our guesses are facts um but they can get into a mindset of like where they're not even thinking about the core beliefs or their their core ideology it's just if that bill is sponsored by or was created by you know democrats then i as a republican can't allow it because clearly it's going against my own beliefs and it's like that's not necessarily the case as you pointed out that certain things 
again, when everybody works together, can uh, or you know certain uh, policy decisions can um, be part uh, can can fit within separate ideologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. So the the problem comes when you are making other people do things that you think are correct, right? The mm -hmm. idea would be to create a system that satisfies everyone's objective needs and uh, like limited wants, and then allow people to live the lives that they want to in the most expeditious and easy a manner as possible. Yeah. Like uh, it, the problem with our society now is that there's so much stranglehold on people and the way that they have to live and the government is like you have to take some sort of views and people uh try to create these rules that they think would apply well to themselves but no doesn't need to necessarily apply to everyone like not everyone needs to subscribe by your sort of independent viewpoint like i want to be a bootstrapping person it doesn't need to be like that and it doesn't need to be everybody has to work for everybody else's wants either it doesn't need to work right. like that either you can do your own wants and stuff like that it doesn't no it doesn't the system doesn't need to force people to do something that they don't want you should just make us a, a system that requires less of people and allows more people to live the lives that they want that's know? interesting and it sounds almost sort of libertarian, you know, it's like less mm -hmm. government intervention. Um, I mean, I think that's such a great way of thinking about it. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like combining like communism and libertarianism, which seem again, like complete opposites, but it's a way of like, if you take the ideas behind Communism, and I think you know a little bit more about this, but like, and take it out of the government context mm -hmm. and make it more of a sort of community driven. And again, that's sort of, you know, the communism, like it's the oh! same word. <laughs> you see, you see what they did there. Um, like, the, did that... Marx know he was doing that? <laughs> <laughs> um, did Mark? No, don't you have an uncle Mark? Is that not true? I do have an uncle. I knew Mark. it. I'm so happy. All right. Um, uncle Marks. <laughs> uh, uh no, but so like that that we could all coexist where like you know libertarians don't want government intervention and mm -hmm. like I'm fine with that, I guess, but it's contingent on uh much stronger communities you know it's like it's not an, a purely individualist ideology at that point because it recognizes the need for as you said like collective action and all of us working together yeah i mean the the theory behind communism is one very much that uh, of a libertarian spirit uh like the eventual goal of communism is a stateless, classless, moneyless society. So yeah. there would be no government. The the thing that most people associate with communism is uh, like the Soviet Union, all these like very authoritarian things. But right. um, 
socialism doesn't need to be like that, especially now with the internet, like, and information just being able to travel so quickly. Um, the organi organization of labor to fulfill everyone's needs could be almost entirely without a governmental organization directing it. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, liber no one wants the government to tell you what to do. So yeah, I, and yeah, we should take a political, like, you know that 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 yeah, yeah. you know that perfect X Y like, coordinate. Here's grid. Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's just trying so hard to not be where Hitler is. Yeah, so. like one of them is so the upright scale is a I think authoritarian libertarian. Um, like the more lower is libertarian, the more up you are is authoritarian, and then left to right is uh left to right. Um. And yeah, I'm definitely in the libertarian leftist column, and I would probably I would probably be pretty far down there. I would, we we might want to take the test, and I think that would be interesting to sort. Of, that would I mean, be very interesting. It yeah. would be a perfect representation of what we think, obviously, because clearly yeah. it's it's so defined. How could it not be correct? <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, it is it is interesting. I I um. I don't have anything to say. Uh, oh my god, there it yeah. is. There she is. <laughs> you know how you like call a ship a she? Mm -hmm. How big does a thing have to be before you <laughs> yeah. call it a woman? Yeah. That's so <laughs> offensive. Sorry, let me rephrase that. How big? Oh no. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Before we use feminine pronouns in a in a uh, an awe-inspired way. That's very weird. Why does that happen? I don't know. You use it for like ships and and sea monsters. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No what? idea. No idea. I mean, <laughs> I've 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 I called my saxophone. I had some name for my saxophone for a while. It was a girl's name. Don't remember it. I do. Yeah. Uh, well, I I always remember like people talking about their um their cars as well when they like named them Bessie or whatever mm -hmm. you know and it's like no one ever names their car like Jeff it's it's always <laughs> a woman's name yeah yeah so Johnny what's up with that guys here's Johnny <laughs> <laughs> have I told you what I named my truck my car Peter uh what <laughs> so it's big and red right yeah I call it the red scare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people I like, that. like that. Yeah. I don't think my uh, CIA, ex-CIA neighbor would like that <laughs> who sold it to me. But, you yeah, know. You know. It's yours now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the Red Scare. Should get a, uh, <laughs> just a. Uh, Joseph McCarthy sticker. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to call my car McCarthyism. <laughs> McCarthy. Dude, that's so perfect. <laughs> my Carthyism? My Carthyism. Oh, that's oh. so good. It sucks it's a truck. It's all downhill from here. Uh, that's <laughs> as good as this podcast is ever going to get. And cars that's drive awesome. downhill. What? So good. So oh my good. Gosh. <laughs> what I, were we talking about? I don't know. Okay, so yeah, political compass test. We should take that. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, compass. Yeah. And then ignorance is bliss. And right. Then, oh, yes. And then we yes. talked about libertarianism. Yeah. 
Well, do you think the government should have to tell you to do anything? Um, yes. What? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, if you think about like, um, uh, who I think it was John Locke, you know, that whole idea of like the social contract and we like, we think about where we are in a, in a state of nature, you know, without a government that once we have more and more people with different views mm -hmm. and different behaviors, mm -hmm. um, we're going to get into a, a problem. Um, and so I think if everybody believed that we shouldn't kill people, then yeah, we'd be fine. You know, like that sort of idea. But if there's one guy who thinks it's okay to kill people, we sort of have a problem. And that's when we need to, again, it doesn't need to be this huge bureaucracy, mm -hmm. but we need to come together and make rules for the good of everybody. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You don't think that those rules could be unspoken? I think that they could be, but when they are very obviously, like the, I think those rules would be unspoken until somebody starts breaking them. And that's the thing, like we need to actually have the rules defined. This is actually relates to some of the stuff we're thinking about, or I'm, yeah, we're talking about in my senior seminar. Mm -hmm. We're going through a lot of legal theory and um Ugh. it's the best oh man <laughs> nothing nothing nothing, nothing i like more than sitting <laughs> down in the sitting down in the bath with a nice glass of wine <laughs> yeah. a book of legal theory <laughs> yeah just a Ooh, just a long man. treatise on legal I, theory. I, I can unwind <laughs> <laughs> it, it, take it a really nice slow ride yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing sexier than a little legal theory um but uh, there's this guy named HLA Hart, and he had this positivist conception of law. And one of the things that he talked about were there's it's a union of primary and secondary laws. And so he said the primary laws are like, you know, stop at stop signs and don't kill people and like the basic sort of things. And he said the secondary laws are they're like meta laws, they're laws about laws. And so some like one of them is like laws about how we change laws. It seems good. Um, but the main one that he talks about, one of his like huge contributions to legal theory is this idea of a rule of recognition. And so because he talks about, um, you know, it, it's going to be an issue if we sort of have these general principles that we all live by. But then somebody asks, what actually are our laws, you know, and, and like if somebody starts to second guess and um, he said, that's when we need a rule of recognition, which is how we recognize that something actually is a law, that something actually is valid uh, within our system. And so I think that, again, there can be this sort of, you know, utopian idea of a you know small community that doesn't have you know any sort of central government and doesn't really have any rules they just have customs and all this sort of stuff and it's unspoken but i think the larger that society gets the the more you're going to have aberrations uh and and i think at that point the uh there do need to be the customs need to be uh very explicit and at that point, I think they turn into rules. Mm. 
two questions. Yes. One, isn't the recognition of whether or not something is a law, isn't that almost entirely based on who controls the violence within a society? Like you, the you violence. fall. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it so? Uh, I think it was. Um, it was John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. I think when they were on like Conan one time, they were talking about how like they. Uh, they it was like uh, bringing. They had a program. It was like bringing music to the inner city, and it was like fight violence with violins and they said then they all they, they said like they had a problem because they got confused and it was eventually just fight violence with violence <laughs> i think yeah. i remember i think i remember yeah. that where they were all dressed weird yeah um, yeah exactly but yeah like it the reason that you um like don't do something illegal is one because it, you, you might get fined, right? Like fine is whatever it's like, but if you don't pay that fine, you go to jail. And if you don't follow the rules in jail, you're like, it leads, the consequences lead eventually to you dying, to you being killed by the state, right? Like if there's, if you don't follow enough rules, you're gonna get killed. So- Is that true? Yeah, I mean, like if you just keep breaking the rules, you're gonna get the death penalty somewhere. Where are so the, what are like if you just keep breaking the rules in jail are they gonna kill you well no, no yeah but it's like if you try to leave the jail you can't well, leave sure. the jail you're gonna get shot you're right. gonna so it's like huh. the rules are only enforced because of the threat of violence well this is the interesting thing this is one of our main you know discussions uh you and in, i in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of our common theme <laughs> yeah. yeah um no, no, in, in fight my, violence with in violence. My, <laughs> um, uh, we're talking about like why the, there's sort of three main questions that we're asking in each legal theory that we're or each part of legal theory that we're reading. How turned on are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, yeah, usually the last one isn't a question, it's just a statement, which is Henry, you need to calm down. <laughs> um, uh no but it's like what is the definition of law what makes the law valid and why do we have an obligation to obey where does the obligation to obey come from mm -hmm. um and so the so that's the interesting thing like some people would say the obligation to obey like you were just saying comes from self-preservation comes from not wanting to die mm -hmm. and that can be what it is but that's not i feel like that doesn't have to be what it is that there can be again a sort of a moral basis for the for the obligation uh to to follow law um and so that it doesn't have to be so i don't know what we want to call it like i don't know yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. At this no, point. I that and yeah. that's that was going to be my second point is that if you remove all incentives to or most of the incentives to break the law, right? Like let's just take a traffic violation, right? It in our current society, there could be a theoretical incentive to break a traffic law, right? You're late sure. to work, something's going on, you want to break the traffic law. Um 
But if you live in a society where you don't need to be places as quickly, and the spirit of the society is much more about your actions have collective consequences, then you would be much less likely to want to do that because your reasoning for not doing it is not based on the threat of violence or the the threat of whatever, but you you want to be better for your community and there's less incentives to do it in the first place. So if you didn't agree with a law, the only incentive therefore would be self-preservation, but then it's already a moot point to have it be a law if you agree with it and want to carry it out either way. So it's like the the purpose of the law being the law and it being like a codified rule is because then violence can be used against you if you don't agree with it. Because if everyone already agreed with it, there wouldn't be a need for a law in the first place. Everyone would just do it. You know what I mean? Yes. I think. Let's think about baseball. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Yes. <laughs> um, Let's think about baseball because this is an analogy we've we've heard or not we money I've ball. heard a few times in in my class. All the money ball. It's like if you're gonna play baseball, you have to follow the rules of baseball, mm. you know, mm. and you can't go from home to third and then back. Like that's not how it works. You have to go home to first to second to third and at home. And um, there. Like, I don't know if that itself is written down, like in the rules of baseball. Is it written that that's the direction that you have to go when you're running like the, the thing? Or is it just sort of commonly understood? And so I do, so I think I agree with you that there, I don't know about the whole like incentives thing if we take away those incentives because I feel like there are sometimes reasons that I would want to you know speed or whatever but sometimes there aren't reason it's just like I like to go fast and like that's not like you can't take away my wanting to go fast you know at, at some point we, we can't take away every single incentive um so, but I, I do think I like the idea, you know, of it's it's more of a positive reinforcement rather than the negative reinforcement. It's mm -hmm. not if you do this, we're going to punish you. It's and it's not even if you do if you don't break this law, we'll reward you. It's not really that. It's a responsibility to the community, and I think that's an important thing. And I do think it's actually a really powerful force that can. Um, not control, but affect people's actions. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that's really important. And so I think that like with baseball, you know, it doesn't matter whether you like the law or not. That's the whole thing about the law. It doesn't matter whether you want to follow it or not. If you're going to play baseball, you have to follow the rules of baseball. If you're going to be in, you know, my society with my laws, not that it's mine, uh, but you it have is. to, yeah, I own it. Um, Baseball's for me. Yeah, then you have to follow those laws. That's that's one of the theories of what makes a law valid and why we have the obligation. It's if the law is valid, then we have an obligation to obey it. And that's it. It's There's no other reason. It's because if I'm playing baseball 
and the rule that I have to go to first before I go to second is, um, is generally agreed upon, then that is, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> then, you got it. Then, uh, yeah, I'm gonna bring it home. Uh, <laughs> oh, baseball. My car, it's so great. Um, if that's generally agreed upon within baseball, then it can be valid. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need to have that obligation to obey. Because it's if you're going to play baseball, you have to follow these rules that are generally agreed upon by the people who play baseball. And so if you're going to be a part of my society and benefit from that in some way, then you have to follow these rules. Mm-hmm. And so I think that to, to sum all of this up, the I like the idea that it should be a positive reinforcement of, of you know the idea that the obligation comes not only because the laws are valid and because you're part of the society, but because you have a responsibility to others within that society or more specifically within your, you know, more local community. But I think I disagree in that, like, we could take away the incentives to break laws. I feel like there's always going to be incentives to break laws or people are always going to find new incentives to break laws. and I don't think there's ever going to be any perfect legal system. I think that's the other thing that we have to remember. Um, but I do think it's necessary. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, a baseball is a perfect example. I, so I'm disagreeing with you on the incentive thing. Not, I mean, you obviously can't get rid of all incentives, but the system that we exist under definitely like the goal is profit and being able to like make money and live a happy, healthy life just from that that money and profit that you've gained. And so there's always going to be incentives to break laws because there's something that you can do when you break the law that could make it better for you. For baseball, if you cheat in like the MLB, you could get a more lucrative salary. You could get a more like, you could get all these different accolades. You could get sponsorships, whatever. Like you can, if you cheat and you get away with it, there's definitely an incentive to do that. But if you go to your neighborhood backyard, like baseball league, there's so much less incentive to cheat because (laughs) there's what's the glory. Yeah. It's like the Fort Hunt league. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to break the rules that everyone's agreed upon because there's no, yeah, there's, there's no incentive. There's no gain from doing that. And so the, the more the, the society is able to champion collectivism and, like your actions have consequences on others and remove that incentive of profit and like getting ahead that is very much uh, drilled into us. Uh, it's, it's just so much easier to follow laws without that threat of violence because there would be no incentive to do so. And you would have the enjoyment of doing the right thing to do the right thing. It's mm. not, it's, you wouldn't do a law because you need to do the law. It would feel so much better to do a law that's not enforced because you know that you need to do it. Collect Like if there was no rule for speeding, 
but you knew that everybody sort of agreed upon 55 miles an hour and you had the opportunity to go 70 miles an hour. No one was going to stop you, but you still went 50 miles an hour. There's just like that would give you a much better feeling than you being forced to be at 50 miles an hour. It would just be a much more rewarding way of living because you get to actively choose the right thing to do as opposed to your state as opposed of to your state telling you what you need to do and you therefore following it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I definitely agree. And I think you and I recognize that there is a joy in um, choosing to do what will most benefit the community and you know, choosing to... Um, which we choose every week when we do the podcast, when right? When we do like... the podcast, you're welcome, society. <laughs> Um, this is baseball helping you. Um, uh, but again, I also feel like there's going to be plenty of people who, if no one stops them from going 75 instead of 55, they're just going to go 75. And Elizabeth think, you know, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, um, that's the name that comes to everyone's mind. Uh, yeah. think of reckless drivers. Uh, but I, um, and then I, you know, it's somewhat of a, a cynical point of view, but I do think that there will, I, I think that it would be a lot better if mm -hmm. we had, you know, the, the system that we're talking about, which is more focused on, uh, on a sense of responsibility to one's community and to others in general, um, rather than on trying to avoid a punishment. Um, but I still feel like there's just always going to be people. And, and, and I, sh I feel like I'm separating myself. Like, I'm sure I would be in the same. You class. would speed, you uh, would yeah. speed every I time care about other people. Come I, on. If there was a baby holding a baby rat, I would <laughs> ah, 70 this miles an hour right in front. Uh, who's yeah, going to stop me? No <laughs> violence. No <laughs> um, so, yeah, so no, I feel like there are definitely examples where I would, you know, also, you know, if I, if I didn't think I had a punishment, I would recognize that it would be wrong. I would mm -hmm. recognize that, but there would be times where I would be selfish and, and you would relish thing. in the fact, uh, yeah, you oh, would, please, you're yeah. like, oh, I know it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, why I do it. I like being bad. I that's, actually, that's I, I, I'm such a masochist. I know <laughs> that it's, it's the other thing would be good. And I want to do that so right. badly, <laughs> but I have to do the incorrect thing because right. I hate myself. That's so <laughs> complex. Um, there's so much going on in that. Head. Yeah, the a fantasy of a masochist who doesn't follow the communal laws that yeah. aren't enforced because he hates himself, even yeah, though he wants he to do good so bad. Doing the right thing. Yeah, it's Gandhi, but he's a masochist in a in a in a libertarian society. That's so crazy. Um, can we can we end on one? I know you have to go. I. I I wanted to say this um, this skit idea that I thought of. Yeah. <laughs> so you know those scooters, like those Lime scooters, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. I see those all over the place in just They're like random works. spots. Yeah. I think it would be really funny to have like a sketch where it's like one of those people that picks it up, <laughs> like picks up those things because yeah. there are people that pick them up and then yeah. they have to charge them and then they put them back, right. and it's like 
the scooters are just in the top of trees, like, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, just in crazy places. Yeah, that's, that's it. That would be good. No, I would like that because I do. I see people driving around. Like, have you seen them? Like, when the pickup truck where they have yeah. like, like I don't know, twenty scooters in the, in the yeah the pickup truck. I would like that. It was like one of those, um, one of those sketches where it's like. You know, I thought I was gonna, you know, when I signed up for this job, I thought, oh, it'd be, you know, pretty easy. And, and, you know, there's scooters just all around the sidewalk and everything. And he's like, I didn't realize that people really like to, to get, make this hard for me. (laughs) People like, they want to like put it at like the tops of buildings and in trees and underneath sewer grates and everything. (laughs) I, it's a, it's a tough job. So, you know, you know, you know, the, when you're going to DCA to Reagan, when you're going down the parkway, yeah. um, like nearer to Reagan, there's like not much stuff going on, right? There's like, True. I saw Push just one on the grass. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. was just there on, and like not even like uh, near, like sort of it, like there's places near the Exxon, right? Like more near our community. But then it's just like when you go in between Reagan and where we live, there's just like, what is there? There's right. there's uh, factories and there's just a lime scooter just sitting there. That's <laughs> <sighs> quality. All right. What another right. good podcast. And into legal theory on the Boons Boys. Uh, do you want to get turned on? Listen to us talk about legal theory. Um, but yes, uh, another good one. Uh, Today is the day that the Gene Natalie interview comes out. So, Ooh, all right, and, this is and where he, it all starts. He gave us the thumbs up and a very and a and a encouragement to keep going with the podcast. So, so nice. So we will Again, honor his nice request, guys. as we did obviously in this episode. Yeah. But um, all right, say bye bye to everyone. Bye-bye. Wait, do you have a lesson? We we've been doing this. Do you have a lesson that you learned? Oh. Uh, this was a, this was a proverb that, uh, Chance gave me last night. Uh, don't, don't feed the goat if you're at a cheese.